Well, hello, and thank you for joining us for another podcast of the Gospel Rescue Mission. Today's audio comes from our Mission Live broadcast, which you can watch on YouTube or on Facebook live every Monday from 9 to 10. Um, Or you can just continue to listen and check out the audio that we've stripped off just for you here on the Mission Podcast. All right, so we invite you to listen. Here on Monday morning, Mission Live, thanks for joining us. It is another fantastic, uh, beautiful day in Southern Oregon. Actually, we might actually get a little rain finally. And uh, we've had just a long, long dry spell. We're ready for some rain. Hey, uh, welcome to Mission Live. Thanks for joining us. Um, I am Brian Boteller. I'm the Director of Resident Services for the Gospel Rescue Mission. If you're following, you probably already know that. And uh, today we have got a whole host of things going on. We're going to do some news stories for the talk of the town. We're going to do a live interview, a live, live interview with one of our residents and uh, talk a little bit about what's going on in her life, um, how things have changed during her time at the mission and, uh, and, and all of that. What else we got here? We've got, we've got, oh, we're going to be talking about Jack. We're going to be talking about Jack. We have got, now, if you don't know Jack Straw, if you're from Southern Oregon, you should know Jack Straw because he is an amazing guy. We're going to end up uh, doing an entire episode on Jack and all the things that the Lord has done to him and through him in this place, the Gospel Rescue Mission. Uh, what a great time we've had together there. What else have we got? We got our book review with uh, More God, Less Crime. We've got our rules review, so you definitely want to stick around. So with all that said, let's go to the talk of the town and let's get this party started. The talk of the town today um, begins in the city of Sausalito, California, where they had to declare a state of emergency last Thursday uh, due to a dangerous uh, criminal activity and sanctioned homeless encampment in uh, Marin Ship Park. City Manager Chris Zapata cited a recent fire and explosion as well as drug use, violence, and damaging of public property and public and private property as the reason for the declaration that calls for the additional resources to manage the encampment. And uh, this news uh, comes from uh, KPIX and from the SF Gate, San Francisco Gate uh, News New sites there. Uh, conditions of extreme peril to ex- to the safety of persons and property now exists in the city of Sausalito caused by dangerous and sometimes criminal activities at the surrounding area at Marin Ship Park designated for transitional overnight sleeping by persons who have no option to sleep indoors, the declaration said. The explosion occurred Wednesday just after 7 p.m. when a resident of the encampment, a 61-year-old woman, lit tents on fire with a cigarette lighter, officials said. A propane tank was inside one of the tents and it exploded, letting out a boom that was heard around the city. And a statement from the city of Sausalito said, 
Uh, the two tents were destroyed by the fire, one belonging to the woman who started the fire. The woman was arrested and is being charged with arson. The city said her bail was originally set at $50,000 but was increased to $150,000 after Sausalito police uh, asked that it be increased. So, you know, here's the, here's the takeaway. This is a bad idea. Homeless camps are a bad idea. City-sanctioned homeless camps are a bad idea. And look, we as a public kind of know this. We sit there and we recognize, well, there's drug addiction things going on and there's mental health issues going on, to both of which are true. So we've got to do something different than just putting them in tents and leaving them with the only thing to warm themselves with it being fire and, uh, and, then, and then trying to deal with it and being surprised when we find ourselves in this spot where we go, well, wait a minute, we, what? They're, they're having, they're damaging each other? How could this be? You know, so let's not act all surprised um, and let's stick with the Bay Area while we're talking about the news. So uh, residents respond to Bay Area mayor, this was in the Fox News, by the way, uh, Bay Area mayor calling on homeowners to alleviate the homeless crisis. So look, there's a, I, I kind of get some of this you know, you get enough heat uh, for what they think you're not doing right, and and uh, the public thinks you're not doing right, and you can always say, well, hey, why don't you take them into your house? Apparently, this is what the, the mayor of Richmond said, something along these lines. It says, residents said they would not open their homes to help alleviate the crisis. The mayor of Richmond, a city about 20 miles from downtown San Francisco, recently started a program that would pay landlords through private funding. Now, Hold on a second. That's kind of cool. Finding private funding to make this thing happen. Now that part, I good job, Mayor of Richmond. Good job. Uh, anyways, uh, private funding to house homeless individuals. There are about thirty-five thousand people experiencing homelessness in the Bay Area. Let me pause there for a second. The city of Grants Pass that we live in right now is a city of about thirty-five thousand people. Okay, so you have an entire functionally homeless city population within the city uh, by the bay and its uh, surrounding area. Anyways, that's up from 28,000 in 2017, according to the report by the Bay Area Economic Institute. Would I open a a spare room for a homeless person? Probably not, said one San Francisco resident, Milo, who told Fox News. Another person, Scott, said, would I? I don't have room in my apartment. Um, yeah, right? I mean, try and rent an apartment in a big major city, and where are you going to find the extra room you're trying to survive yourself? One barrier resident, Nicole, told Fox News, I don't know how they're going to fix the homeless problem, but I just think that asking the residents to step up is not a good idea. I have a family and I have girls, she added. And by the way, mom, thank you for standing up for your girls. Good job. I just don't think it's safe, she said. Nicole speaks again with Fox News. So 
this is the thing. I mean, you've got the residents who kind of get it, and they're saying, you know, I know something's got to change. I know that we've got to do something, but um, the idea that you guys have given out all this free stuff in our city and you have give, you give out free drug needles, the Bay Area has a $3 million budget a year for just for drug needles. Um, it, it's crazy. And, and so, the, and there's no laws now, you know, I mean, it's legal to have drugs on yours person. And um, so in the city, it doesn't, they've made it to where there's no way the regular citizen is going to bring these people into their home. And rightly so. Let's go to Utah, our last our last uh, place up and down kind of the West Coast. Here's Utah. Um, woman's throat is slit by a homeless man whom she let into her home to take a shower. Now, look, I totally understand that there are people who, um, who feel who feel a sense of hurt, and they, they look at these folks, and they go, I want to do something. I want to do something. Let me tell you what you ought to do. You ought to go and support organizations like Gospel Rescue Missions who are doing this work for you, who know and understand the community that they're working with. They understand these people. They understand drug addiction. They understand mental illness. They work with all the other community resources that are already working in these fields. Please, please, don't be so foolish especially if you are elderly or have children, is to just let them in the homes. Here's what the news article said. A Utah woman's throat was slit by a homeless man after she let him into her home to take a shower, according to the Salt Lake City Police Department. They were, police were called around the apartment around 5 p.m. last Sunday, repeating or, or receiving a report of a woman bleeding heavily. Salt Lake City police were called to the apartment last Sunday on the report of a woman bleeding heavily. These victims, whose identity, the victim whose identity has not been released by the police, was transported to a local hospital uh, for emergency surgery and was later upgraded to critical but stable condition. Thank you, Lord. And she told the police she let the suspect inside her residence so he could shower and described him as homeless. The suspect, a 30-year-old man, uh, was arrested two miles away from where he had allegedly slit the throat of the woman just hours earlier. So here's the thing. I mean, this is what we're dealing with. You recognize this. I recognize this. And what we're saying is gospel rescue missions have been at this for, you know, maybe, I don't know, a hundred years or so, we have been working with this population for the longest time. And I know, I know they'll sit there and tell you, but I don't want to go there. I know, but I don't want you out homeless, and I don't want you out slitting people's throats and lighting each other's tents on fires and blowing up neighborhoods and burning down our forests and leaving human filth into our waterways and destroying our environment. This has got to stop. It's got to stop. And gospel rescue missions are here, and we have room. And if we don't have room now, we will build the room. We will make the room. Send them to us. We know what to do. We've been doing this for generations. We are in your community. I guarantee you there is a gospel rescue mission or some version of a gospel rescue mission in your community, and we really need to take this one down. We need to deal with this problem. And the only way we're going to deal with it 
is if we deal with it. All right? Hey, how about let's go next to our ministry spotlight. Kick it away. Take it away. I'm Harriet Harris. I'm part of the Lifeline ministry team at River Valley Church. Our ministry is designed to show God's love to the community in a variety of ways. We try to meet the individual where they're at uh, with counseling, financial assistance, prayer, uh, whatever their needs are. We've seen people come to the Lord. Uh, We've seen people uh, connect with other churches. And that's our main goal is to try to bring people to the Lord and to connect uh, with with a church, a neighborhood church. We're not uh, necessarily trying to recruit people for our church. Um, If they're coming to see us, they can't afford gas to uh, travel very far. We want them to connect in their community close to their neighborhood church. You don't have to worry about having somewhere to sleep at night. You don't have to worry about where, you know, your next meal is going to be or what business you're going to stay behind or what park you're going to pitch a tent. The mission is somewhere stable to be. So it's just us talking here. Nobody's paying attention. The four people that watch our show, they already know us all anyways. <laughs> so here we are, Mission Live. I am talking with Misty. And uh, Misty, you have been with the Gospel Rescue Mission now for how long? On the 22nd, it will be 13 months. 13 months. Now, I'm going to ask you some questions along the way if at any point in time, because we are totally live here. Uh, if, if anything you feel like you're just going, eh, I'm not comfortable answering that question, you feel free to tell me. Um, so uh, what's your political voting? No, okay. Not, I, don't care what you, I don't care what your politics are. Hey, so how long have you lived in Grants Pass? My entire life. Your entire life. Yep. So how did you find yourself homeless? I mean, tell, can you tell me a little bit about that? Poor lifestyle decisions I used for eight years, ended up homeless. When did you start using? Started using October 2013. Wow. You know, it's funny because I, I, when I talk to people who use drugs or have used drugs, they tend to know dates really, really well. So October of 2013? Yep. And you never used before that? Nope. No. Um, and, and what was going on in your life then that made that make sense? Ultimately, I think it was my sister passing that um, kind of was the icing on the cake for me. Okay. She um, was 19 and had leukemia, and I had never got to know her her whole life. Last time I saw her, she was a year old. So wow. I think that that was what sent me over the edge. Just figuring out, just dealing with grief. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I got to think that, you know, a lot of folks that come to find themselves homeless I think that, you know, grief and, and not knowing how to work through all that stuff is, you know, some of the the start down right. that road. Yeah. So uh, what happened? I mean, you start using and then what? It was just an occasional thing that just, you know, ultimately ended up an all-the-time thing. It's being a maintenance thing, huh? Yep. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, how old were you at the point in time when you became homeless? I've been homeless the last, like, few years. Um like four years, so I'm 43 now, so... Okay. Probably yeah. in your late 30s? Yeah. Okay. And and so homeless for you, I mean, was... I mean, what did that look like? 
in the beginning, in the beginning, it was you know anywhere in town you can sleep, and then I ended up up Devil Slide. Um, Devil Slide. Yeah, good old Devil Slide. Okay. <laughs> and I was there for almost a year, you know, because yeah. it's away from town. You don't have to move day to day, and you know, had our own little spot set up. You know, yeah, it was just almost like a house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I remember last time I hiked up past there. Uh, you can hear gunshots going off around there, and I, I got really nervous because, you know, you, you weren't sure if they were kind of right. coming towards you or around you. Because right. there's a popular a hiking trail by there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, okay, so you were, you were homeless for four years. Um, I mean, was it safe out there? Did you feel like it was you were in a good spot? I mean, it was all right, you know, right. I mean. There, you know, neighboring people, you know, that were camping, you know, in other areas, had their own little drama or whatever. But you know, I just pretty much stayed to myself and came to town when I needed to, and then got to the point where I couldn't even come to town because I was so sick. Right, right. So you were, so you were getting sick because I was using. I'm diabetic. I had already lost my middle toe um, in 2017. Lost bone out of my second toe a couple years later, and then. Ultimately, from living up Devil's Slide, I lost the rest of my toes on my left foot. Really hard to manage diabetes and while you're homeless, huh? Yep. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not an uncommon thing for us to run into at the mission is people who are struggling with, uh, with diabetes. Um, just because it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to manage. You can't, right. you know, where are you going to get insulin? Right. You know, and, and how are you going to manage your blood sugar from, from out there? And you're probably not eating the best stuff because it's... Prepackaged, it's uh, it's we got nothing to cook with, really. I mean, you, you know, own, a little bit. We had our own little kitchen camp setup. cook, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we were we were eating pretty good, but it still, you know, wasn't the best. Like towards the end, I was filtering rainwater because I didn't have any water to drink with or cook with. So. Wow, wow, wow. So, um, so what finally made you decide that you'd try and Check into the gospel rescue well, mission. For two weeks, I literally was laying there ready to die. I would only get up to let my dog out and then bring her back in, and she um, stayed pretty much next to me the whole time. And then finally, the Sunday before Christmas, I just something told me that I just needed to find a way to town. So she drug me up the trails because I was so weak I couldn't even get up the trails. Wow. And then. Um, I came to town, stayed at a friend's house for a few days because I didn't want to spend Christmas in the hospital. Yeah. You know, I'd already been there before. So on the 30th of December of 2020, I finally went to the hospital, and the doctors told me because my foot was so bad that he told me that he was going to take my whole foot. Wow. And my heart was failing. My heart was only functioning at 15 to 20%. Wow. Yeah. So it was a lot. It was a lot. So I, I, so you're there. Where did the idea of coming into the mission come from? They didn't have any place for me to go to do my antibiotic rehab or whatever. So then they – and I would already been to the mission a couple of years before this. Okay. And so I already told them the check-in process or whatever. And the hospital pretty much dropped me off on the women's doorstep on January 22nd. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, boy. So um, you've been at the mission – before you kind of had an idea of what it was going to be like um and what was your state like 
Well, my first my first experience wasn't very good. I only stayed 15 days. Okay. And um, obviously, we've gone through. It was a different coordinator then. Okay. And then when I got here the, this time, Shauna was absolutely amazing. She helped get get everything that I needed to feel comfortable and reassured, you know, that you know that you know I could do it. So then. It, it was pretty good, you know. Okay. It's been pretty good. It's, you know. It's All right, now here's the, here's the juicy spot because we are totally live, right? right? You could just say anything. <laughs> so you can just say all the bad stuff about the mission, how horrible it is. Go. I can't think of anything that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I've been at the mission for almost 13 months now. Yeah. And it's, you know, obviously I'm still here. Yeah. You know, obviously, the program's working. It only works if you're willing to make it work. You know, everybody's everybody's program is different, and if you're making the goals to you know get to where you want to be, then it's not that hard to be there. So, tell me about a day in your life here at the mission. Now, I mean, you right now we, I mean, you do a lot of different tasks while you're here. What are some of those? I'm an RA, so okay. I'm responsible for the house when... An RA is a resident assistant, yep. right? Okay. I so answer the phones. Yeah. I, you know, when people come in to, you know, who are interested in checking in, tell them the program, you know, that we're not just a bed, we're a working mission, you know, run through the, the daily routine. We get up at 5.30, you know, breakfast, morning chapel, chores, afternoon chores, evening chapel, you know, like... You yeah. tell them it's super, super hard. Don't even try to come in, right? <laughs> no. No, no. <laughs> no, you know, I just try to be thorough with, you know, the program. And, like, one of our residents was um, had called from a motel, and I told her that I would call her right back to let her know, you know, what we could do to help her. And she was surprised that I called her back within 10 minutes. Yeah, so. yeah. That's good. That's good. Well, you know, I mean, that's we, we try and make it a welcoming thing. We try and make, you know, to try and engage. And really, it's people like you that um, are coming in and doing well that we want to have, you know, uh, right there at the front door for other people who are maybe coming in and a little a little nervous, a little afraid, you know, because you remember what it was like being a little oh, yeah. nervous and afraid, huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, well, in addition to your work as an RA, uh, you've been helping out at our thrift store? Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. I now open it on Saturday mornings by myself. By yourself? Yep. Okay, so so that means that you handle, what's that? I mean, what's that entail? That means unlocking the doors, getting the money out of the safe, counting it, putting it in the till, unlocking the front doors, pretty much getting the store ready for the day. Right, right. I mean, and and from what I hear from Connie and and uh, everybody involved, they are like just super. Connie and Glenn are both super pleased with you know th they have the confidence they can kind of go, ah, I can rest because I have somebody that I can trust right there that does a good job. And I enjoy uh, working at the store. It's yeah. fun. It's it's nice to to tell my story and like give other people who are going through struggles the hope that you know they can make a difference too. Yeah. So. At the store, you know, we see a lot of we see a lot of people who maybe don't they're not ready to check in, but they might need some clothes mm -hmm. either for free or for cheap or something, right. and so they come into one of our stores, and uh, a lot of times it's a kind of first point of contact, huh? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Do you see people? Do you ever see people that you camped with? I've seen a few. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and you know, it's a lot of the people that I used to you know talk to before are proud that you know I've done the change that I've made and yeah. 
Yeah, I just got my one-year coin at Celebrate Recovery last week. So. Job. Good job. <laughs> All right. That is awesome, man. One-year sobriety. That's fantastic. You know, there are so many people that want to just say, Oh, these, these people are all mentally ill and drug addicts, and therefore they can never make it. They, they can never make it um, they, without, without a government-run this or a government-run that. And, and we're going, you know what? No. Um, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> I can imagine being a little depressed if I was stuck out there. I would imagine being having some pretty significant anxiety right. if I was out there. All of those are considered mental illness, right? Um, I would imagine that, you know, maybe if you add methamphetamine on top of that and, you know, maybe some marijuana from time to time, I've got a pretty good amount of, of uh, paranoia and maybe some schizophrenia a little bit that I'm struggling with, you know, or whatever. And, and yet uh, we see people come out of that, you know, working their way out of that when they get clean, when they get sober, when they get good nutrition, when they're seeing their doctors regularly. Yep. Um, and that's that's just fantastic. You are a fantastic story, and um, so w- what do you see next for Misty? Right now, I'm just focusing on a lot of different health stuff. Okay. Still, going still working on getting yeah. getting health kind of dialed in. Yep, and okay. then from there, we'll start working on you know employment and whatnot. So. Okay, okay. Baby steps. Yep. Yep, but baby baby steps, but real steps, yep. right? You know, they're real steps forward. Um, has anything been, I mean, you know, have, have we asked you anything that you thought was, that was just too hard and I needed to say no or anything? No, it's not that hard to be at the mission. I mean, it's just every chore that we do is something that you would do in your own house anyways. Yeah. You know, so. So when we, like, when we made you swim through the moat and then go over the obstacle course and then, you know, go under the live fire range and everything like that, to get into the front door because of all of the barriers that we put right. up at the front door, right? <laughs> you got through all of that, right? right. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, um, you know, I, I just, um, my hope is that, you know, a story like yours uh, becomes, uh, A, a story, for that same kind of story for other people because they heard your story. Right. Um, and, and I hope that, you know, it would begin to change the narrative because there's just so many people that want to make us into something. They, they, they want to share this story about us like we're being unreasonable uh, in some way. And, I, again, I'm telling you, you can say, if, if I'm being unreasonable, tell me. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not that pl- hard of a place to be. Yeah. You know? I mean... I mean, we're, we're friends. I mean, I don't, you know, it's not like, you know, I, I'm not going to sit there and go up. Oh, okay. She said the wrong thing. Let's get her out of here. Right. <laughs> nope. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah. at all. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, that's the way I feel. And, and I mean, we're always encouraged to see each other and, and, and just hear, I love to hear what you're doing. I'm sure that Shauna is going to love to watch right. this and see what you're doing there. And now, you know, with uh, Monica as well at the helm, uh, you know, we're just, everybody's cheering you on. If there was some way that, um, that our viewers could pray for you, is there anything in particular that you'd like, any prayer that you'd like to ask for? Just continued strength, I guess, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, like Shauna told me when we first met to pick a word that would best describe my year, and I chose the word restore, and restore has been every day. There's something, you know, whether it's my health, or friendships, or relationships with my family, my my grandparents, my my mom, my kids. You know, like every day, it's it's getting more of you know a stronger 
thing. So you know, we um, I was talking with John Sled a while back, one of our board members, and he had used this term that I really like that that is homefulness. You know, this idea that we bring that we restore family and relationships, and and that sense of of the, the the richness that comes from having those relationships restored. So what a cool thing. What a great word, restore. Right. I love that. So uh, thank you for sharing that. Well, um, if you're somebody, you know, I mean, let's just imagine for a minute that somebody's watching this thing and they're going, eh, I don't know, man, I'm scared. I'm scared. They're religious. They're a bunch of religious crazies there. Um, what, what might you say to somebody? It doesn't hurt to try. You know, I mean, yeah. what more do you have to lose? Just, you know, take, the, <laughs> take that time to just, you know, make it work. You know, I mean, yeah, it's not that bad of a place to be. No, it's not. I mean, in spite of the fact that we're a bunch of crazy religious nuts. And all that <laughs> kind of stuff, right? We're all one big family. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. That's true. You know, it's, it's, um, it's been made... To, to this idea of a monster, but when you finally get up to it and you're, and you're in and you work through it and you're with us a little bit, you start finding out, hey, you know what, those folks are pretty cool, you know, and, and, um, and what's really cool is I tried it and I decided maybe I liked it, you know, along the way. Um, and everybody's easy to get along with, yeah. you know, including the staff. Monica has fit right in with the house, yeah. you know, being our new coordinator and everything. We get along really good, too. Uh, that's good. That's good. You know, um, there's a program in, in the Bay Area called uh, the Delancey Street Project, and, and um, one of the things that they do is they make their residents go uh, try out things like opera or sushi or things that they've <laughs> never tried before. And... And they're, they'll go, oh, I don't like that. Oh, I don't like that. Well, have you ever listened to it? Have you ever heard it? Well, no. Then how do you know you don't like it? You know, mm-hmm. Just give it a try. Try it and see what you think. And what, you, what you're kind of saying is, is to that person who, who maybe uh, is going, I don't know, man, they're, they're religious and, and everything, is, hey, try it out. Get, give it a shot. It's a... Uh, you know, you can always go back to the street. It'll always be waiting there for you, yep. you know. But give it a shot. You you might find out that it's just not as bad as you thought. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, you might find out that it's actually really good. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, you know, for all of our audience, I would just say, you know, please continue to keep Misty in your prayers. And uh, as she continues to work her, you know, program with us, and uh, I am looking forward to being able to share the day when you are leaving and getting right. in your own place and, and uh, you know, whatever that's going to look like uh, and walking with you the entire time as long as it takes to get to that spot. You have been here for more than 30 days. Yep. You have been here for, for and, and the first 30 days is the hardest. Right. You know, and, and, and here you are. You've done a great job. Uh, I just want to thank you for your contribution because every resident that comes here, you know, in a way brings their own contribution right. to what it is for us to be us, you know, as a gospel rescue mission. Exactly. And, um, and, and you've been one that's added to the program and not just got something from the program, right. you know. So uh, that, I really appreciate you and I have a lot of respect for you, sis. Thank you. Yeah, all right. All right, what do we got next, guys? 
Uh, let's see. We've got uh, Jack's video. Okay, so talk about that? <laughs> well, yeah. So let's let's talk about Jack's video. So Jack Straw again. I, I kind of teased on this at the beginning. Jack Straw. This is one of the coolest guys on the planet. He has been with the Gospel Rescue Mission probably longer than anybody that is here at the Gospel Rescue Mission in some way or another. He has served in, as a board member. He has served. Uh, he knew Walt Fixo, who started our Gospel Rescue Mission. Um, he has been in church here in Southern Oregon, and in uh, you know, he's just an amazing guy. We did this little video with him uh, last year. And uh, he's got one of those great voices. And so we did this video with him last year talking about our thrift stores and uh, kind of getting coats because of the change in the weather. Why don't you check this out and see what you think? Look at the camera. No. Okay. Ready? Merry Christmas and happy holidays from Jack Straw, Santa's early bird elf from the Gospel Rescue Mission here in Grants Pass. Yeah, I know what you're thinking. K. Joe's airing the wrong ad. It's months till Christmas, but winter is coming. And the Gospel Rescue Mission and the Second Chance Thrift Store need quality winter coats and gear. I know, I know it's still hot outside, but the mission is starting now to build our winter wear inventories before it really gets cold. The Second Chance Thrift Store sells high quality winter wear and gear at prices anyone can afford. And just so you know, the mission gives, yes, freely gives thousands of pounds of food and clothing and vital goods to low-income and homeless families in our town every year. Please donate your winter gear to the Second Chance Thrift Store located at 6th and J Street. Oh, and say Merry Christmas to those folks down there from Santa's early bird elf, Jack. Learn more how you can help the Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission at GrantsPassMission.org. Think we got it? Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. Praise the Lord. We had so much fun with that. Hey, it's time for the mission rules. Mission rules. So again, we are working this. We're working against this idea that the mission is just a big negative bunch of meanies. Mission rules. Here we are. Mission rule number two. Mission rule number two. It sounds terrible. All right. At check-in, you must fill out all forms and be approved to stay at the mission by the program director or coordinator before the end of the following business day. Whew. Now, that sounds like a scary one, doesn't it, everybody? You know, we are so full of all these stiff rules. Here's what this means, and this is the reason why we have a rule like this. Um, because when somebody comes into the mission, they need to know what's the next thing for them to do. They generally don't want to uh, walk in and then just wander around and feel like they might be doing something wrong. They certainly don't want to have anybody yelling at them. So um, in order to prevent that, what we do is we give them kind of steps to do that guide them, one of them, once you check in and all your forms are approved, you have to have all this done before the following business day. So don't get up and don't come in and talk to somebody and then just walk out and assume that you got 
a place to stay. It's just a simple thing, and it's really meant to, to stop their confusion and help them in the process of, of their stay so that they're a little more comfortable. You know, we want them to know what's expected next, what's the next step for us. So, uh, again, uh, there's one of the big, harsh mission rules. We're just going to read one out every week, and um, anytime you think, man, that rule was too hard and too hard, harsh, please just go ahead and put it in, uh, yell at me in your comments down below or whatever, and we'll talk about it, okay? Um, all right, there was hard mission rule number two, and now it's time for Brian's books. So today, we are once again talking about More God, Less Crime by author Byron Johnson. Uh, the subtitle is Why Faith Matters and How It Could Matter More. Now, Byron Johnson is a professor at, um, at which university is it? It is at Baylor University. Um, Baylor University, he was also part of a study um, that, that studied the effect of missions in, um, you know, in America dealing with homelessness and compared it and contrasted it to the government work um, and found that basically something around for every government dollar that was spent, uh, gospel rescue missions and the like, uh, saved the taxpayer like $9 and 40 some odd cents on average um, and did a better job. And that's simply uh, a good way to get yourself on the radar of a gospel rescue mission. Uh, more God, Less Crime, he really just documents the work of things like prison fellowship, um, the work of um, some of these groups in the inner cities that are trying to deal with uh, young men and their delinquency issues in the school systems so that they don't become criminal statistics. And, uh, and what they found is that when the church gets involved, anywhere that the church gets involved— the crime rates go down, and recidivism rates go down, and the success rate of the people with whom the church gets involved with uh, just goes up. So in the long and short is, is that uh, more God, less crime is a great documentation of the work of what God's people are doing in the nation uh, when it comes to crime and what God is doing through his people in the nation in reducing crime and helping set people free. Um, you know, over and over and over again, I hear people who kind of feel like they've, uh, the, the general tone in the comments in our Facebook page and different things is that it's a homeless or it's a hopeless process, that these people are somehow just simply unsavable and that we just have to accommodate it. And, and again, More God, Less Crime is one of those books that, that gives you hope and says, no, you know what? It doesn't have to stay this way. We can have a better result than the one that we've had, and we don't have to just give in um, because Christ genuinely changes people, and God's ways are the way that, excuse me, that he created the universe around us, the world that we live in. So when we live according to those ways, we find, we find grace, we find change, we find flourishing happen. And, uh, and again, 
more God, less crime. The links to this are in the notes underneath, uh, underneath your, the video here. So if you are interested in buying this book, just click the link, and it'll take you right there. Uh, it's a good read. It's worth your time. Here's some final thoughts. We'll get you done a little early here as we land the plane. Um, so final thoughts. I want to give you a, share with you a passage from Proverbs chapter 18. It says this. It says, "'Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire.'" He breaks out against all sound judgment. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. And it goes on to say in verse 9, whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. What we are seeing in this homeless crisis um, that is really, it's, it's all across our country, but it is it is much larger along the West Coast, okay? The states of California, Oregon, and, and uh, Washington are really the models for what not to do. Um, and, what, and this is why you're seeing it just explode everywhere. Here's what's happening. These people are getting into, into tents, and they're, they're going out into bushes, and like we heard from... from um, Misty, thank you. <laughs> like we heard from Misty earlier today, you're going out into the bushes, or James before that, going out into the, into the forest and camping. Why? Because we're seeking to isolate ourselves, and, and what's happening is we're breaking ourselves away from the sound judgment that comes from the rest of society, what, the rest of community. And, um, and so this idea of, of coming into community is so important, and this is why Gospel Rescue Missions work, one of the reasons why they work. They work because we move people into dormitory-style living in a place where it's safe, where we immediately cause and force kind of a, a place where you have to consider how you affect the people around you, and you are immediately uh, struck with how those around you affect you. And so, and then we start working on how do we deal with that? How do we find in this safe place to deal with these conflicts? How do we work and, and find understanding? It says a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. We want to not be fools. We want to, we want to learn to, to understand one another and learn to engage each other in healthy and safe ways. And then what we want to do is we want to get you back to flourishing, and we want to get a person back to flourishing where they're productive. Now, look, not everybody is capable of the same amount of work. We understand that. So um, when you think about working at a, at a working mission like the Gospel Rescue Mission, what I don't want you to think about is a chain gang, with everybody swinging the same hammer on the same railroad or something silly like that. Um, what I want you to think of is that we take into consideration each person's circumstances, each person's abilities, and we find work that they can flourish in. And at the mission, we have a broad swath of work to do. I mean, we have two different thrift stores that have all kinds of different levels of work from very uh, robust physical labor to to just stuff that's um, kind of tedious but still requires somebody to do it but not a whole lot of physical, um, it's not super physically demanding. Uh, we have things that phones that need to be answered and, and um, you know,
you know, uh, handrails and things that need to be sanitized and food that needs to be cooked and mops that need to be mopped, uh, floors that need to be mopped and, and all of those kinds of things, beds that need to be made, everything in between. Um, so you have 52 raised beds, lots of gardening that needs to be done, plenty of fresh air, all kinds of different things. So what happens is everybody contributes and then everybody gets to share in the in the the fruit of their labors and they're all fruitful and this is part of the creation mandate for us to be fruitful and to multiply okay so we are part of what it means to flourish is this fruitfulness and we're trying to help bring this in together so that when we gather up the fruit of what we've done we all benefit and they all feel important. They all feel like they're playing a role in each other's lives because they very much are. And so it's very different than the isolated lifestyles of, of isolating people out by streets and, and under, you know, under park benches and whatnot, under bridges and, and that kind of stuff. It's bringing them back into community. And in, in that sense of community, we start, again, seeing relationships being repaired and being restored. And that's exactly what Misty was saying earlier was happening to her and her family. And this is so much part of the legacy that happens from a stay at the Gospel Rescue Mission. This all comes from a very robust and well-rounded worldview, Christian worldview, where we see Christ in all aspects of life and his glory to be made in all aspects of life. This is what we want to see for our residents. This is what we want to see uh, for our community. If you are somebody who is looking for that kind of restoration, if you're somebody who's struggling on the streets this morning and you're thinking, man, I got to go somewhere. I wish I had a different life than the one I have now. We might very well be the place for you. If you have a family member or you know somebody, encourage them. Watch this video. Check it out. If you could do anything that would help us. Again, pray for us. We so need your prayers. Right now, we are trying to to conquer the world, at least the homeless world, for Christ. And we're trying to, to bring this thing, bring homelessness out of the dialogue and now bring, begin talking about homefulness. What does it mean to have a life restored? This is what we're looking for. Would you pray for us? Would you share this video with somebody uh, on Facebook or, or on YouTube or wherever? Would you subscribe to our channels um, subscribe to us on, on YouTube, subscribe to us on Facebook, like and follow us if you can on Facebook. Those things go a long ways for sharing our message. And, uh, and again, thank you for letting me ride shotgun with you on a Monday morning. It is about 10 minutes early, and I think that's all there is to say. So God bless you, and I hope that you have a really great day.